It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. The other side of midnight presents. This is Frank's Conspiracy Hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. This is a show where we like to explore a number of mysteries. And I'll tell you, one of the mysteries that has fascinated the American public since 1963 has been the truth about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Additionally, there have been a lot of questions about the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy, if the official story there was an accurate one. And there have been allegations going back a long way uh, regarding the death of Marilyn Monroe and that perhaps there was foul play involved. Well, Mark Shaw, who is a best-selling author many times over, has been studying those three deaths for a long time and their unique intersection with a very well-known reporter of her era, Dorothy Kilgallen, and how Dorothy Kilgallen might have been a little too close to the truth. I became a fan of Mark Shaw when he wrote a book about Dorothy Kilgallen called The Reporter Who Knew Too Much. Since then, since he popped up on my radar screen, I think I've read at least three of his books. He's got a new book coming out uh, later this month, and I'm looking forward to reading that one as well. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome best-selling author and the author of the forthcoming book, Fighting for Justice, The Improbable Journey to Exposing Cover-Ups About the JFK Assassination and the Deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen, Mark Shaw. Mark, it's great to talk to you again. Hey, Frank, So uh, thanks so much again. I, I appreciate your having me on the program. Thanks. Uh, pleasure is mine. So for folks that have not read the reporter who knew too much or any of your previous books or who may not have heard our previous conversations, remind folks who Dorothy Kilgallen was and what her best theory about the JFK assassination was. Well, it's it's fascinating. Uh, when I said improbable journey in the uh, subtitle to the new book, Fighting for Justice, it comes out the 29th of November. It has been an improbable journey, and I get a little bit of a, a, a chill when I say that. You know, I've written now six books that touch on the uh, JFK assassination and the deaths of uh, Marilyn and Dorothy. And uh, the other day, in fact, uh, I, I had the books kind of in my documents put together, almost 800,000 words I've written about it wow. and, and all of that. And so um, the reason I bring that up is because it all started with Dorothy. Uh, but it started when I found out that uh, Jack Ruby's lawyer, Melvin Belli, the, the, the rambunctious uh, uh, San Francisco attorney that I practiced law with in the, in the 1980s, as a matter of fact, uh, knew Dorothy. And he knew Dorothy because she was at the Jack Ruby trial. Uh, Belli was Ruby's lawyer, and I didn't know a lot about Dorothy at that time, but I wrote a book about Belli. Uh, and, and I found out that, hey, wait a minute, at the trial, there was Dorothy Kilgallen. Well, who is she? Well, many many of your listeners are going to feel just as dumb as I did then, and that is that we only knew her as a, a star panelist on the quiz show uh, on CBS every Sunday night in the 50s and 60s called What's My Line? Uh, they guessed unusual occupations. Uh, I think the last show that Dorothy was on before she died was a woman who sold dynamite, things <laughs> like that. And and she she kind of was looked upon as the prosecutor there. She asked all the tough questions and everything like that. So... 
The other part of that is that she and John F. Kennedy were very good friends. Uh, he had been to her home for parties. They knew each other on the watering hole scene in New York City. And uh, she really felt uh, a closeness to him because at one point he invited Dorothy and her son, Carrie, who was, I think, in the third grade to the White House. He made a big fuss over Carrie and letters he brought from his classmates and everything. And so when when uh, JFK died, uh, Dorothy, uh, she in fact, she wrote in one of her columns, and we'll talk about what, these columns, but she wrote what she remembered was a tall man uh, stooping over a little boy, uh, named Kerry and talking about his letters, that's the man who died uh, on Nove- in November of 1963. Dorothy Kilgallen at one point was uh, uh, pinpointed by the New York Post as the most powerful female voice in America. Now, you have to think Diane Sawyer, maybe Oprah Winfrey today, all of that, but Dorothy surpassed any of them. Wow. She had a syndicated column called Voice to Broadway, uh, syndicated to 200 newspapers across the country for the Hearst Syndicate. She had a radio show uh, uh, on, on uh, WOR there in New York City, listened to by a million people. And then she did. Uh, she really got involved, uh, which in, intrigued me to begin with when I started finding out about her. And you're talking about the book, The Reporter the Who Knew Too Much, all that's in there. Uh, she covered high-profile trials, like, like I did uh, when I was with uh, ABC and some of the other stations, but nothing like Dorothy did. Uh, the uh, Charles Lindbergh baby kidnapping case. Um, Dr. Sam Shepard, that became the, the, the fugitive movie. She was there. If people want to see what the respect was for Dorothy, go to the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, the DorothyKilgallenStory.org. You'll see her in the middle of the courtroom at the Dr. Sam Shepard case, and there's about 25 reporters around her. She was a true woman of integrity, and that's she had the best sources and all of that. And I'm pleased to say that that's kind of what happened to me as I started looking into Dorothy, her life and times, her death and everything. You know, it wasn't too long ago, a gentleman who runs the programming in San Francisco at the Commonwealth Club, where I've appeared two or three times, I'll be there uh, on December 1st again, said, you know, one of the things, Mark, that uh, you are, you're a crowdsourcing magnet. (laughs) Frank, I didn't even know what that term meant, but we looked it up. And basically what it means, I guess, simplicity, simplicity, is that, you know, you throw information out there like you do on your radio program. It's such a great program because I'm sure then you hear from listeners and they give you information about the information that you threw out there on the radio. Well, that's what's happened to me. And so, you know, I'm very proud to say I think I know more about the JFK assassination, Dorothy and uh, Marilyn's death than anybody, the truth about them, because of all the, the sources that I've had, primary sources like Dorothy's. So I wrote the, uh, the uh, reporter who knew too much about Dorothy, her life and times. And the main thing that I found out about her was that, you know, unlike me, unlike any of these so-called experts, authors, the Oliver Stones of the world, the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas, all these people, none of us were there at the Jack Ruby trial where Dorothy was. She was right in the front row. And she listened to all that testimony, and she wrote these columns, the Oswald file must not close. Everybody else was buying J. Edgar Hoover's Oswald alone theory. Dorothy wasn't. And right away, I figured out that, you know, Dorothy was on on the right track in terms of what she was doing because she also was the only one who interviewed Jack Ruby at the trial. Mm. Belli and his associates set that up right in the courtroom behind the railing. 
and I have uh, uh, the, the uh, Belli's account of that. And whatever she told then, uh, whatever Ruby told her at that point, the first place that Dorothy went, it wasn't to stay in Dallas and look into Oswald alone. It wasn't to go to D.C. and look into the, you know, the government being involved. It wasn't to look into the CIA. It wasn't to go look about the Cubans. It was go to go to New Orleans and look in uh, to the to the man who had the greatest motive to have killed JFK, and that was a mafia don in New Orleans named Carlos Marcello. And just to, to terminate that, and then we can go on from there. The reason that that is is because, as Dorothy found out, and I found out through my research, uh, you know, Joe Kennedy basically, in many ways, fixed the '60 election. They used the mobsters to help them. Joe made a deal with the devil. You help us win that election, the, the, the votes in Illinois and West Virginia, and we will leave you guys alone when we get in the White House. Very common sense situation. Sure. Well, what happened when they got in the White House? Uh, Joe pressured JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy attorney general. And what's the first thing that Kennedy did, Joe Kennedy, or Bobby Kennedy did? He went after those, uh, those mobsters, Giancana, Traficante, and especially Marcella, who deported to, who he deported to Central America. Well, you can't mess around with those mafia people. I'll, I'll just tell you just a real quick story. Um, I was with Good Morning America, and they sent me over to interview a mafia boss's attorney in Philadelphia. Guy, the, the mafia guy was Angelo Bruno, about the mob getting involved in Atlantic City. Right. So I went over there. I interviewed him. They played that on Good Morning America the next morning, and the producers were so excited about it, they asked me to stay in Philadelphia and see if he'd talk to me again. I called his office. Um, I asked this woman, is uh, such and such there? There was complete silence, and finally I realized she was crying, and I said, are you okay? And she said, well, Mr. Shaw, I don't know if you know it. This morning when he started his car, it blew up. Mm. You cannot mess around with those guys. So you've got Marcello being embarrassed by Robert Kennedy, and what does he decide to do? He wants to kill RFK, but if he does, as Dorothy found out, if you do that, then JFK is going to come after you with everything the government has. But if you kill JFK, Bobby Kennedy will be powerless. And that's exactly what happened. And all of these other experts and all these authors and everything want to stray off of that. But it was basically start to finish a mafia hit because you can't mess around. They play by their own rules. Nick Pileggi, who's given a nice endorsement for my new book, wrote Wise Guy and Casino and all of that, uh, said that, you know, to me, you know, uh, Marcelo Sicilian, it's all about revenge. And so uh, that's what Dorothy found out, and that's when she got too close to the truth. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Dorothy's untimely passing in just a minute. But uh, part of the reason I was so eager to talk with you now is because of the news regarding this new lawsuit seeking to force the Biden administration and the National Archives to release all of the remaining government documents about uh, President Kennedy's assassination, something that we thought was going to happen decades ago after uh, after they passed this uh, this bill back in 1992. As far as Dorothy goes, and again, there's some great, uh, great uh, books that you've written on this, uh, Collateral Damage, Denial of Justice, and to me, one of the best books ever written, not just about true crime or investigative journalism, but just one of the best books ever written, period, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much. As far as uh, Dorothy goes, do you believe that the people behind her death 
were entities within the government or someone associated with the underworld of the mafia? Well, it's it's interesting because um, I, I started out, you know, with with the theories that I I felt like with my primary sources that I could prove. I don't speculate in my books, Frank. Just like you don't speculate on your show, you you want to give people the best information they can, sure. and then they can ask questions. They didn't ask enough questions back in the 1960s with with Marilyn's death, JFK's, Dorothy's, or Robert Kennedy's. They just uh, took it for you know, as a God's, a God's truth, what, what J. Edgar Hoover was saying. And so Dorothy was always very inquisitive. And I've always wondered exactly, um, you know, what she knew about in terms of the, of the possible corruption that went, back, that went on back in the 1960s uh, when, when JFK died. Uh, let's just hit uh, what's happened here with regard to these JFK documents. Almost, I couldn't believe it. I wrote down 30 years, and then I had to change that to 40 years. Uh, since these documents were supposed to have have, have been <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, amazing. revealed, and so you go back through the presidents all the way to you know uh, George Bush Sr. and all the way down through, and each one of them always came up with an excuse. Usually, it was national security, but Biden hit the topper. You, you talk about incredulous. I call it, uh, you know, it's just absolutely ludicrous. Is what I say in the book. Here's why he said. We shouldn't have those documents now. Temporary continuing postponement is necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations that is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in immediate disclosure. As far as conduct of foreign relations, law enforcement. I mean, come on. It, to come me, on, Frank. That, it, it defies uh, it defies any sort of credible test of of of, <laughs> of. I mean, I can't believe anybody would believe this. Now, uh, there is this lawsuit, and I'm wishing the best of luck to the Mary Farrell Foundation, right. who who brought this and is trying to bring these documents public. Um, needless to say, it doesn't sound like you give uh, President Biden uh, his explanation as to why he wouldn't declassify a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of credibility either. But President Trump, he held some documents back as well when he was uh, he was president. And President Trump was someone that was always seen even before he was elected as sort of a conspiracy theorist. He raised the specter that maybe Ted Cruz's father was somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination. What was the Trump rationale? for holding some of these documents back was that national security as well oh yeah that's just the that's just the cover-up blanket that you could use you see it's national security we can't let those things out even though everybody's dead from, from what happened in 1963 and so on so it, it's amazing to me frank sometimes that people swallow all of this and 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 you know there's people that say there was no holocaust that you know, Nixon was telling the truth when he said, I'm not a crook. There was no 9-11. There's no January 6th. Epstein committed suicide. Clinton was truthful when he said, I didn't have sex with that girl. I mean, all these kind of things. It's, it's unbelievable that we, that, we, that we believe some of this. And, and it's the same thing with Biden. In my opinion, he ought to be prosecuted for not following the law. The law said that the documents had to be released by 2017. That hasn't happened. Now it hasn't happened this year either. And so it just goes on and on. And so uh, Mary Farrell Foundation is a very reputable 
uh, JFK assassination uh, organization. Now, let me get, though, to, again back to Dorothy Kilgallen, because mm-hmm. it, all, it all ties together here. You know, I connected Dorothy, Marilyn, and JFK's death for the first time in collateral damage. But I've always been suspicious of what's the real reason that they're hiding these JFK assassination documents. And well, that, takes that was in, exactly my question. Yeah. yeah. And that takes us into what the shocking new evidence is in uh, Fighting for Justice that will come out uh, November the 29th. And that is this. Uh, I was able, you talk about primary sources and crowdsourcing and all that. Early last year, I was contacted by a man who had watched one of my presentations uh, about my books. This one is in Dallas in 2019 on Denial of Justice. Um, There's almost 7.5 million views of those up on YouTube, which I'm very proud of, and I hear from people all the time with these tips and everything. Well, he watched the one in Dallas, and he noticed in there when he was watching uh, the the name Dorothy Kilgallen. So he called me, and, and I'm sure this has happened to you sometimes when you get this information out of the blue that you couldn't make up as to mm-hmm. how you got it. And so I'm sitting here in my writing studio, and, I, and I, he wanted to talk to me, so I call him, and he says, well, yes, Mr. Shaw, I might as well tell you. First of all, uh, I was a legislative assistant to, or I was a, an assistant to Robert Kennedy when JFK was in the White House. I worked with both Kennedys. I was involved with writing Title Eight of the, or Title Nine of the um, Civil Rights Act. You know, I was a, uh, a Yale graduate. I, I just got to got to be able to know them. I was the go between uh, between JFK and RFK. And I said, well, gee, that's just wonderful. I'm, I'm most interested to hear about that. He said, well, the reason I called you though is I was the legislative assistant for one of the Warren Commission members. And I actually rode with one of those members to the hearings. And I was able, in fact, when I was waiting on that member, I was able to sit and listen to the hearings. And I found out that the, that the uh, member, he said to me certain things, and those will all be in the new book, such as, uh, the commission members say this Oswald result is good for God and country, but there is internal corruption, and I don't know why. They already know, the commission members, about the Ruby connection to organized crime, but they don't want to touch it. The sing, sil, single bullet theory is phony, a clever, even ingenious cover-up invented by a staff member. Our new president, Lyndon Johnson, wants to cover up and move on, and so on and so forth. And there's many more of those uh, declarations by this legi- legislative assistant. So the other thing that he said to me, which just blew my mind, I remember yelling and screaming uh, after I got off the phone. He said, also, Mr. Shaw, I should tell you, I knew Dorothy Kilgallen. Hmm. And he said, I was invited to, he called them soirees, but they were parties, at Senators Cooper's home, uh, and he gave me the address in Georgetown. I've since gone ahead and confirmed all that, and I've confirmed all the rest of this material as people will read in Fighting for Justice. I went to the... Uh, soirees at his home, and I sat right next to Dorothy Kilgallen. And he said, I would call her a bright light bulb. She had the same sort of integrity as my boss. And I got to thinking, you know, remember we always have wondered. Uh, Dorothy uh, made a big splash with that exclusive when she got the Jack Ruby Warren Commission testimony uh, before it was supposed to be released, and she published it, and, and there was a big brouhaha about it. J. Edgar Hoover was infuriated and everything. I always wondered who gave it to her. And so I said to this legislative assistant, uh, is it likely that, that he's the man who was able to give her 
uh, the, that document, and he said, it's very likely, Mark. I really believe that's probably what happened. Mm. Wow. And then I've taken that on a little bit further, because with regard to this corruption that I will expose for the first time in the new book, and will identify the uh, commission member, will identify the legislative assistant, the no secrets there when the book comes out, and and basically, I, I really feel like that also that that uh, commission member let Dorothy know about the corruption. And she was writing a book for Random House, and my belief is now that that would have been in the book. And also, I'm going to take it a, a bit further. I'm going to stretch it out a little bit further, and I'm still working on this, that in fact the, the whole situation with regard to the information that was given to Dorothy about the corruption and to the legislators about the corruption in the Warren Commission may very well be in the JFK documents that are being hidden by the government. And the reason that I can see, again, a common-sense motive, Frank, would be that, you know, I'm, I'm tearing apart the reputations of uh, President Ford, uh, the Chief Justice uh, Warren, uh, Warren um, JF, or, uh, LBJ, uh, uh, Hoover, uh, four or five more uh, members who were either congressmen or senators and all that, w with regard to the fact that the Oswald alone theory was just made no sense whatsoever then. It doesn't make any sense now. But I feel like that they may be very well in a situation as presidents that they're trying to protect the images of these men and that that material is in those documents. Uh, talking with Mark Shaw, if you want to check out the new book, you can uh, pre-order it now. You can go to MarkShawBooks.com to learn more about uh, his old books as well. Uh, the old books, though, are still very timely. The new one's called Fighting for Justice. And uh, Nicholas Pileggi, the author of Wise Guy in Casino, wrote investigative reporting at its best. And uh, I can't think of a better description that, uh, that sums up Mark Shaw's work. It, what do you see as the likelihood, Mark, of this lawsuit filed by the Mary Farrell Foundation being successful? Well, you know, if you want to, if you want to make a, a bet, maybe they got, they got odds on this. They got odds on everything else. How you can <laughs> bet in sports and everything? If you could get some good odds on this, I'd go for it. If I were people, you know, I think it's, I, I think it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a dead deal. I think you can, you can. It, it, I think that's what. It will happen. I don't see how they can defend this. But what what may happen? We've seen it with the Trump situation with the classified documents. We've seen it with the Hyder, Hunter Biden situation with uh, President Biden. What happens is, unfortunately, that we get into the courts then. And this is in the. I noticed this is actually in the Northern District of uh, of uh, California, I believe, not too far from where I live. But now it'll get into the courts, and the government will bring all its uh, ammunition in to say, oh no, no, no. Uh, you know, there's too much in there that we can't expose because of these ludicrous reasons that Biden came up with. Uh, but I'm hoping that you've got a judge with enough balls who will say, look, um, you know, you, you've got to substantiate this. What, what's in there that, that is relevant today that could cause all these problems with with uh, foreign relations and military defense and, and, uh, and uh, law enforcement, you know? I'm hoping that that's what will happen. So I'm betting that this may work, but unfortunately it may take a while. Supposedly the next deadline is December 15th. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we've got about, a, what, a month and a half, and I'm hoping the court will act very quickly Same on that. here. Mark, it is always a treat to talk with you. I'm very much looking forward to reading the new book, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in person when you're in New York. 
Hey, thank you so much, Frank. I appreciate your having me on the program. You're a good man. Thank you. Talking with Mark Shaw, you can check out his work at MarkShawBooks.com. Again, if you want to pre-order the new book, Fighting for Justice, there's some great stories of how Mark came to... enjoy some of this information and uh, there is some incredibly revealing new information about the Warren Commission and who knows we might just find out exactly what these documents lead to that President Biden uh, is trying to keep the public from seeing if you want to comment on any portion of our discussion you're welcome to give me a call 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-9222 this is the other side of midnight straight ahead the other side of midnight. midnight.